Welcome to the Equipping the Church podcast, where we help your church use technology well, and along the way, share remarkable stories from the local church. My name is Kristen Tete. I make things here at Faith Life, where we use technology to equip the church to grow in the light of the Bible. On a recent visit to the Faith Life campus in Bellingham, Washington, three seasoned reverends from the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church sat down with me to talk about lessons they've learned from a century of ministry. This is the first in a series of three bonus episodes. Today, the reverends talk volunteerism in the church, and they might just challenge your thinking like they did mine. With a combined 100-plus years of experience in ministry, these three pastors have wisdom to share with our Equipping the Church community. I'm honored to have Reverend Dr. Darren Mitchell, Senior Pastor of Trinity AME Zion Church in Greensboro, North Carolina, Pastor David A. Williams, Senior Pastor of Greater Gethsemane AME Zion Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Dr. Kenneth James, Pastor of Walls Memorial AME Zion Church in Charlotte as well. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Thank Glad you. to be here. Well, I've got to say, probably the best voices we've ever had on this podcast. Oh, you're way too kind. <laughs> way too kind. We also have some worship leaders on top of pastors in this room. <laughs> Lots of musicians. So earlier today we were talking and um, you brought up an interesting point when I asked you about volunteers at all of your churches. And I wonder, Dr. James, can you share with us what your... Uh, what you think about the word volunteer and how churches use that word volunteer? Yes, I have kind of reached the conclusion that um, the use of the word volunteer is actually detrimental to the church and mm. to the cause and the notion of discipleship. Um, volunteers, you you almost don't have the right, if you will, to expect much of them beyond what they are willing to give. You can't pay them anything because they don't get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, the level of commitment that they give to a project or an endeavor only extends to the point of their comfort. Mm. And once they stop being comfortable, they can leave and there's nothing you can do about it. I mm. suggest rather that what we should emphasize for people is that we are called. Mm. Jesus never called volunteers. And for those who even tried to volunteer, he actually rejected them. Hmm. Um, he, you know, one a couple of instances in Scripture, one young man said, you know, Lord, I'll come follow you as soon as I bury my father. Jesus said, let, let, let the dead bury their dead. You don't worry about that. <laughs> volunteers are not welcome in the, in, the, in the classic sense of what volunteers do. We are called people. And when you're called, you may get frustrated. You may get angry. People will disappoint you. They will certainly get on your nerves, <laughs> but you will still show up because you understand the call is more mm. important than anything else. Mm-hmm. So then what does that mean in terms of uh, ministry opportunities at your church? Do you take an active posture in recruiting people into that call? I try to help people understand their sense of call as it relates to the dynamic of ministry and base that on the gifts that they, each individual mm-hmm. person has. Because I don't think that any person is placed in the church without gifts. No one's placed in the body of Christ without gifts because if, if that is the case, and that means that God has been careless and accidental 
in the way that people are placed in the church. And I don't believe that God is in any way careless or that we are where we are by happenstance. In fact, for all of us sitting around this table, I think if you if you followed us or we discussed our journeys, you would discover that each of us, even in places where we thought mistakes were made, by appointments that we've received or people that we thought were trying to hinder or thwart our progress, they actually end up doing us a favor. I'm I'm to the point now, um, you know, at my age, I'm like, I need to really retrace my steps and send a lot of people thank you cards who thought <laughs> they were hurting me hmm. because they actually did me a favor. The people who walked away from me, it was good that they did because I learned I couldn't trust them, but I had to trust God. Hmm. And Pastor Williams, what, what would you add to that? Well, I, I think that one of the things that we look at when we start talking about volunteers um, is realizing um, the challenge of option, that individuals uh, are wanting to participate, um, but perhaps schedules, um, family dynamics and situations make it so difficult for them to be able to get involved. And so sometimes um, individuals will put their hand up and say they want to volunteer and then essentially not show up or report for duty and leave you standing there and you're wondering <laughs> where in the world, you know, if they ever come in or just what's going to happen. And, and so you have that challenge. I've said for um, years now that um, volunteerism is dead. That, that's been my thing, hmm. that people, um, the whole age of, of people just volunteering for things, um, it's not the way it was when we were this close-knit community and you could just walk from the church and people were protecting their positions and, and they wanted to be involved, but we're competing with AAU basketball. We're competing hmm. with cheerleading competitions on Sundays and people have opportunities to volunteer so many other places. So uh, I, I agree with uh, with Kenny. Um, what What's keeping you here? There's got to be something greater that's pulling you in a force that's making you want to be here at the church to uh, give service and be a part of a unit and a team that's glorifying God and not you just signing up. And I think the further that is that oftentimes when people volunteer, they end up in places where they ought not be. Like, you know, you've got a, a person and they had to sign up sheet for the greeters and it's on the thing and you're having this wonderful thing in the fellowship hall and they signed up to greet. And then you figure out this is the absolute most wrong person to be standing here at the door greeting anybody <laughs> because their disposition and and they don't smile. They don't even be anything. Give me a ticket, Mitchell. Give me, you know, and then you just have that kind of stuff going on. Mm. That doesn't mean that they can't work. But we got to figure out where it's best to put them mm -hmm. um, so that then they don't, you know, as the old statement was, um, rattle the apple cart. Because that's what's getting ready to happen mm -hmm. uh, when individuals are, are, are not certain. And Mitchell, I'm sure you've had plenty of people rattle your apple cart. <laughs> <laughs> I was pulling the mic close to me. I didn't want to chime in. But since since I've been called into this fray, I'm going to. There is a line in a hymn, and I love hymns. Uh, my friends know I love hymns. Oh, yes, you once, love hymns. Once more we come before our God, once more his blessings ask. Here's a line. Oh, may not duty seem a load, hmm. nor worship prove a task. Right. And, and so often, love, especially love that a shepherd exhibits, will always uh, prompt 
one to be truthful, especially when it comes in the area of being a volunteer. And I, I empathize with people who struggle with that because I know, uh, for one, I volunteered for certain things that I knew deep down I shouldn't have spoken up. I shouldn't have even opened my mouth. Wow. And so many people do that because they want to feel useful. They want to feel mm. worthy. They want to feel valued. So because we live in a, in a society and because culturally and historically people place their value on what they can do. Mm. Um, I'm very, very, very intentional about telling those who join Trinity uh, now more than ever, please don't volunteer and don't allow people to uh, don't allow yourself to be voluntold. Wow. I, mm-hmm. I was voluntold. So I was driven into this or I was drawn into this uh, because you start seeing things about yourself and the people that you are serving with or volunteering with that will turn you off. It's not it may turn you off. It's going to turn you off. They're going mm-hmm. to be things that you see and certain things you can't readily volunteer uh, yourself in because it's going to reveal too much of of what we're all struggling with. And the real truth is we're all struggling with something. And everybody's normal. John Oldberg, everybody's mm-hmm. normal until you get to know them. <laughs> when you get to know them and when you get into these various oh, groups crazy. and silos and cliques <laughs> Have and you clubs, read that book? I haven't, man. I oh, gotta, you got to read that book. Everybody's okay. normal until you get to know them. John Ortberg helped me with that. And so I tell people that when they join the church, I, I would rather you volunteer to be in a ministry or be in a disciple discipleship ministry where you're mm-hmm. getting the nurture and you're being built up in the faith and you remember why you joined this church. And I ask that question. I ask people to write it down. Why did you join? Mm-hmm. Where were you emotionally? What were you, what were you going through? What did you need at that particular point? Did you need to be in an organization or need to be doing something. No, you need it to be in that space. Don't ever substitute being for doing. When Jesus called the disciples, he called them first. The Bible says to be with him mm-hmm. before they went anywhere, anywhere right? Mm. to be with them. Mm. And so you got to be careful with that being and doing tension. Mm. And, and I try to, you know, tell folks, oh, listen, don't volunteer because it's going to cost you money and time, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially in, in, in the way we do church in our in our mainline denomination. We have been doing church like this for the last 185 years, dare I say, or even longer. I'm just trying to, you know, kind of give a margin of error. And we've been doing it for this, for these many years. The, the, the truth of the matter is this. Many people are no longer in our space because they burn out. And they mm-hmm. suffer from what one author calls mad church disease. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting you said that, though. It goes back to what Kenny said uh, uh, about a person uh, being uh, voluntold. And then you said about money. Um, it's going to cost you money and time because a called person is not going to have a problem with the time. That's right. Mm-hmm. And a called person is not going to have a problem with the money. The people who have the problem with the time and the money out of volunteers. Out of volunteers. And, mm. you know, and that's why I emphasize call so much. Um, one of my mentors uh, growing up, Bishop Jasper Roll in New York, he used to say that every person, he used the analogy of a kitchen. He said every person has a ministry in the kitchen. But some people's ministry is at the sink and other people's ministry is at the stove. 
And he said, you don't want sink people at the stove because they'll cook with dishwater. <laughs> and you don't want stove oh people at God. the sink oh because you will not have clean utensils. <laughs> mm. You want everybody operating in the space where they work best. Mm-hmm. And that's about call. Oh, that is good. And you know what? And when you say that, it's interesting. When the group meets, if they're being their authentic self, you know, something just kind of from before, yeah, yeah. then they'll say, well, you know what? Um, I, I don't need to do nothing, but just call me afterwards and I'll wash dishes. Exactly. Because I, I know goodness well, I better not touch that meat. Because, you know, I That's know right. what my family say, you know, what my family yeah. say at home. So people will tell what they're good at and what they can be able to do in terms of that that capacity of serving right. and volunteering. And disciples know the difference. Yes. Disciples know the difference. Because disciples understand their sense of call. Right. So they're not trying to prove anything to anybody. They're not trying to find validation in the group telling me that I'm doing this or doing that well. Because the other side of it that we rarely talk about is what happens when you get the criticism or someone tells you that you're not doing what you thought you were doing to perfection. And then you become so addicted to the praise that when it's absent, you can't function anymore. And that's why volunteers quit, because Mm -hmm. they are feeding off of the drug of validation and praise. And then the person says to you, Reverend, don't you let that dishwasher cook for you no more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay, so what happens then when you have somebody who's called and they come to you and they say, Pastor, I want us to do this ministry. This ministry is really on my heart. Mm. I mean, how many times has that happened for all of you sitting here? What do you do? How do you respond to the person who comes and says, I feel called for us to respond to this as a church? Pastor, what are you going to do about what I've been called to do? What do you? How do you respond? Well, my first response is there is no they in the church. Hmm. And, and, and I do not have any members. I check the roles race, you know, regularly because I have to know at least once a year what my numbers and my membership is. And I tell people all the time, there's no one in this church named somebody. So if you are going to feel that this is what the call is, understand your level of commitment and what that requires of you. Don't come to me and tell me what somebody else ought to be doing. What are you going to do? Because if mm. you feel passionately about this and you feel this is the call on your life, I think you talked about this earlier today. If this is your call, you will respond to it. And then the call actually and the response of the called individual actually becomes inspiration to somebody else. In, in, you know, because, you know, just like all of us know about preaching so I may, I may be telling tales out of school but we all know that when we go to these meetings we look at the program to see who's preaching and if it's somebody that we want to hear we get there early and if it's somebody that we know may not be saying very much then we kind of drag on in and maybe don't come at all because their sense of their call inspires us hmm. right right and I think that um being able to sit down with a person So this person says, Pastor, this is just burning with me. I want to do that follow-up because I don't know whether or not you've been, I don't know where you've been. I don't know why you on fire about this idea, but I got to find out. Mm -hmm. So sometimes icing it works. Hmm. Okay, what's counting like next week? Uh, I'm I'm busy for two weeks because I want to find out whether or not this is something you just picked up or whether or not this is something that is really burning in you and you really feel passionate about what's going on. I, I don't believe that everything 
that God speaks to an individual was meant for the collective body of the church to participate in. There are some things that God is speaking directly to an individual, and it is that individual's responsibility to then pick up that mantle, discern the direction of God, and run with it, and not expect that the entire church is supposed to get involved in the personal vision that God has given unto you. So you sit down and have that conversation. You help them flesh that out. You help them talk about it. You help them put some teeth on it so that you can be able to determine and and see what's going on. Because especially for us, we have so many different organizations and so many different things. So you done brought an idea. I need to find out, is it an independent idea or can it go into one of these organizations? And and then then that's where your trouble going to be because then you really find out, well, they got an idea, but they just don't want to filter it through the proper organization where it needs to go because yeah. we are pretty structured to the place that that you have that. But I think that conversation, giving that person the opportunity to really tell you why they are passionate about it and how they plan for it to unfold, if, if they even know. Because a lot of times, I think both of you all have probably had this happen to you because I've had it happen to me. And you'll say, well, okay, well, that's great. So what do you want to do? I don't know. How do you want to go about it? I don't know that either. You got any money to put to it? I hadn't thought about it. <laughs> See, you know. I think that first conversation is very necessary. Uh, one of the things I do is, you know, when people bring those kinds of ideas to me, I go back to what the mission statement of the church is that we all collectively agreed on. What are the core values uh, that we all collectively agreed on and worked on? And then what ministries uh, and I have five major areas of ministry. So my, my question initially is, have you had any conversation with anyone? Are you willing to have this conversation with someone other than you and those that you may be comfortable with so that we can hammer this out? Mm-hmm. Um, I learned this being in New York. Steam is a powerful thing. But if steam is left to run rampant and move freely, steam can destroy buildings. Hmm. Uh, I've seen it destroy portions of a building that I served when I was pastoring in Brooklyn. Wow. Steam is powerful, but I was told that steam had to be chambered so that the steam could move creatively and strategically to where heat is needed, especially when you have radiator heat. So I say to folk, it's good to have steam, but let's chamber it. How do we chamber it? How do we move it? There's an occasion in scripture where uh, as the church gains its momentum, they they wanted to respond to a particular need. And they came to to those those leaders, I believe it was Peter, and they said, well, you know, we got to take care of these widows. A lot of people are coming to our church. What about these widows? And Peter says, well, look out among you. Find you seven individuals full of the Holy Ghost and some sins. Because you can't have, a lot of folk have Holy Ghost, but no sins. <laughs> you got to have both. Got to have balance. But we have purposed in ourselves to give way to the ministry of the word and to prayer. Not that what you're saying is not legitimate or illegitimate, but this is our focus. Right. You find those persons who are able to work in those particular areas. But if it's a person, and in my case, I've had situations where people cannot work with anybody else. When I have those kinds of situations, I will not move to the next step because I know that person has trouble based on their personality with working with other people. 
And that's interesting you said that because I just did a survey with some young adults at the, at the church about working with um, projects and things. And I asked the question, how do you work best, you know, in a group of two, a group of three to four or by yourself? There's about 25 or so in the room. And the majority of them said they work best by themselves. Millennials normally do. And I said to myself, man, which helped me to understand why I can get a great end product, but I'm not going to get it as a team end product. No. I can get the, the end product, and it's going to be fabulous, and it's going to be wonderful, but uh, that whole group sitting down as a team and working together and going through all that process, on the name trying to do all that. I want to pick up on something that you said earlier, though, David, because I had this situation happen. When you talked about how people, sometimes you you put something on ice to just kind of see where mm-hmm. it goes. Because someone, to your question, uh, Kristen, comes up and they says, I have this vision. Said, okay, fine. So we let's, let's see how this is going to work. So, all right, your vision, as you've explained it, belongs over here in this box. What? Right? And then what happened was, without revealing too much to protect the guilty, um, <laughs> what, what happened was that uh, when I told the person where their ministry idea belonged and who they had to work mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. to make it happen, mm-hmm. come to find out that the person wanted to do this project because they were trying to start their own business. And they wanted the church to kind of underwrite it under a 501c3 to give them tax-exempt status when they started their own business. Wow. Hmm. So the motive, the motive was wrong. Right. Mm. Yeah. And so, like you say, putting it on ice or at least asking those discerning mm-hmm. questions mm-hmm. will help you to kind of filter through and say, okay, where's this going? What's the origin? Why is it starting? You know, all the, because those become important questions. Mm-hmm. And you got to show process. I mean, that's, we all grew up in the era where, you know, when you were in math, uh, you know, you got, you got a problem. And, of course, you can come up with a solution, but the teacher was grading you not just on coming up with a solution, but also showing the process. That how you got your answer. Show your work. That's mm-hmm. right. Show work. That's what mm-hmm. they, they, would, they would tell me. I would write the answer. Wrong. I'm like, why is it wrong? You didn't show work. Show process. Show me, show me your work. Mm-hmm. Thank you for steam because I, I, just, I just heard misguided volunteerism is dangerous. Did the reverends make you pause to consider your view of volunteerism in the church? Tell us about it in the Equipping the Church community on Faith Life. Go to faithlife.com slash ETC podcast. Today's podcast was brought to you by Faith Life and co-produced by Amber Smith and me, Kristen Tete. Our audio technician is Jack Underwood. To subscribe and learn more about how to equip your church, Go to faithlife.com slash podcasts slash ETC. If this is useful to you, take a moment to rate and review the Equipping the Church podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. While you're there, give us your ideas for future episodes. And as always, we love hearing your stories. So share them with us at faithlife.com slash ETC podcast. Thanks for spending your time with us today. Blessings to you in your ministry.